the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, Orr, closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Murphy picked out of it. Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawoski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Chelios in overtime! Cardo Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the tanks! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Falling back, circle and drive, skipped it from Scott! The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Right center for Tames, you got to break away! Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins In-Law Group, let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is another edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of Odyssey, of WBBM, of the I'm Fat Podcast, of best-selling authorship, of just a lot of different uh, titles that you can affix to that gentleman's name. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you, man? It's good to talk to you. Yeah, it's been it's a while. Been a, been a little while. There haven't been any uh, games since Sunday, so we've been kind of... A little bit bored, but it's given me kind of an opportunity to, you know, flip around some different NHL games, check some guys out. And yeah, it's been a nice couple of off days for the Hawks. Yeah, they don't play again until Friday. So we figured, hey, midweek podcast to kind of catch up on some of the news and notes instead of the more immediate uh, game coverage that we typically do. So that's where we're going to start. First of all, make sure you're following us on all of our social media accounts. We're at Madhouse Pod on Twitter, Madhouse underscore on Instagram and at uh, what is it? Facebook.com slash Madhouse Hockey Pod. We've got our T Public Shop. We've got our Patreon page, all that good stuff. So check all that out. All that info can be found in the link in our bio. So that's the easiest way to do it. Just go there and find the stuff you like and go from there. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Rating and reviewing it is very helpful as well. Uh, so we got some things to talk about. We've got uh, some injury news, both good and bad for the Blackhawks. We've got a. A, a legend of the franchise who is no longer officially part of the franchise. Patrick Kane breaks another legend's record and just a ton of stuff to get to. So I think let's start with the Bobby Hull story, James. I think that's kind of the most newsworthy thing. And if you didn't hear by now on Sunday morning, or maybe it was Monday, the scores, Bruce Levine, who is uh, our baseball insider at the score, well, there I can't say R anymore. I don't work there anymore. Um, <laughs> but is the baseball insider at the score broke the news that Bobby Hull uh, is no longer a Blackhawks team ambassador. Uh, said they are reevaluating their ambassadorship and what it means to be an ambassador. And back in November, they amicably parted ways. That's the uh, quote from the Blackhawks. Um, look, I, I think anyone with a critical thinking mind can probably figure out what this is all about it's got to do a lot about Bobby Hull's past and probably a little bit of his present um he is a uh look I, I we got to be careful we don't want to slander anybody or anything like that but it's it's well documented um there have been struggles with alcoholism there's been struggles with um domestic abuse there have been some alleged 
uh, comments that are uh, sympathetic to Hitler and uh, demeaning against black people. Uh, he, of course, refutes those comments. They were made in a Russian publication in 1997. Um, but, you know, I don't know what the Russian publication had to gain by lying. So sure. with Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner at the reins trying to clean up this organization as best they can, um, Bobby Hole no longer part of things. And for me, I'm good with it. I'm beyond yeah. fine with it. I'm good with it. I think it's probably overdue. Uh, and look, when he was made an ambassador in 2008 by John McDonough, everyone knew this stuff about him then. So it's not a big surprise. Obviously, McDonough wants to bridge the gap between the old generation and the new. And it was before we knew the Hawks were going to be as good as they were uh, for that decade. But uh, Bobby Hull no longer officially affiliated with the Blackhawks. And um, I'm good with it. Let's let's move on from that era. Let's move on from people like that and uh, try to do everything we can to better the organization because right now the organization desperately needs bettering. Yeah, and I mean, I think aside from the bettering of the organization, I think we can kind of agree that the whole purpose of the ambassador program was, like you said, to bridge that gap between, you know, these historically amazing players and the current regime because the old Wurtz regime had burned so many bridges with guys like Stan Makita and Bobby Hull that it was critical to bring them back into the fold and kind of embrace the history of the franchise while looking forward toward the future. And I think that them doing that, I think it was 13, 14 years ago or something like that, that this whole ambassadorship program started. And yeah, you're going to continue to see guys like Dennis Savard and Chris Chelios at different events, I'm sure. But I think the whole idea of the ambassadorship program was to kind of build fan interest and to connect the team to the past. And I think that that goal has been achieved. And so even aside from the very obvious uh, reasons to kind of part ways and separate yourselves from Bobby Hull, I do kind of hope that I'm interested to see what the Blackhawks do end up deciding to do with the redefinition of the role of team ambassador. I think that there is a way to kind of still harken back to that past and to call attention to it. There have been a lot of incredible Blackhawks teams, but I also think that you know, it's not as necessary perhaps as it used to be. So I, I'm very curious to see kind of how they do that. And it's definitely become a less visible role, I think, in previous years. And that does include, of course, the passing of Tony Esposito and Stan Makita. So I'm curious to see how they kind of redefine it. And I do think that it's a good thing that they're kind of wanting to reboot it for more more reasons than just one. Yeah, and I'm, I'm interested to see who the new ambassadors will be. We've seen guys like Eric Daze have been involved with some stuff lately. Um, you know, Steve Larmer's kind of been back around a little bit more. And I got to meet one of the current Blackhawks ambassadors today. I met Chris Chelios today, which is crazy. I met him for the first time, considering how long I was in sports radio and how visible he's been around Blackhawks and uh you know, just Chicago sports in general over the last well, few years. Well, I mean, years. there's that whole visceral hatred thing, too. I let that go, man. I let that go. Things, <laughs> I, I let it go. If you haven't read my book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks, that's aged poorly. Um, <laughs> but feel free to pick it up and read it. I would greatly appreciate it. But I, as I was writing that book, I, I, I passed the blame on my Chris Chelios anger where it belongs to Bill Wirtz. But the, the thing about that is, Chris Chelios doesn't have the cleanest past either. We've got the Nagano Olympic Games where the Olympic team just completely embarrassed the country on and off the ice. We've got DUIs from Chris Chelios. Like, look, I know different time, different era, all those sort of things, but 
he's not squeaky clean either. So, I, you know, I'm just kind of wondering what is the what it, I would like to get an official. These are the characteristics of a team ambassador, right? Like, mm. and look, I, I'm not I think that Chris Chelios is obviously matured. You know, he's left the game. He's seems to be loving the life of, of a grandfather and an analyst. And he's doing a good job at that. Couldn't have been nicer today. Um, when I met him. So, you know, people change and people improve and maybe they were not seeing the improvement and change that they wanted to see in Bobby Hohen. Look, I don't know how you're going to change a, whatever, what is he probably 80? Yeah. He's in his 80s <laughs> at this point right now. Um, you know, you're not going to change a guy that he's 83. Uh, you're not going to change a guy at this point in his life, but you know, sure. people, I think we forget these guys that are hockey players during their career, how young they are. You know, like I've made a lot of stupid mistakes in my 20s, too. I'm a lot, I hope, a lot smarter now and a lot better of a person now than I was in my 20s and early 30s. Um, but it's that lack of moving on and that lack of growth that I think maybe was concerning from the Hawks. And look, it's just, to me, it's a no-brainer. I know there's going to be a certain percentage of our audience that's screaming at their podcast app right now and saying it's cancel culture. No, it's it's what it is. It's responsibility culture. Right. Yeah. You're being held accountable for things you did and things you said that are inexcusable. And and I think uh, and how active has he even really been as an ambassador the last few years anyway? No, I, I, I that's I, I, I wouldn't consider this to be a canceling instance anyway. No, no, I, I, not at all. I just I think it's it's the right move to make. And, and the things that he is uh, both accused and charged with, there have been some charges or been some accusations. Uh, all of them are really bad, really horrific. And uh, I'm glad they finally decided to move on. And I think you and I have discussed this a little bit, especially lately since the town hall meeting that Jamie and Danny are trying to do the best they can. Right. Uh, they've got a little bit of interference from Rocky. Um, but I think this is another indication of, hey, we know there are some problems here and we're going to clean them up sort of one by one as we go here. I, I completely agree with that. I think that, I mean, it's just it's part of the overall shift in direction that we've kind of been hoping that the organization will make and hopefully that will uh, continue even as they you know conclude their search ultimately for a new uh, GM Jay and I both have, I believe were incorrect when we said <laughs> when we thought that this hire uh, was going to be made we really haven't had any updates on that recently like I haven't even heard if they've interviewed anybody new in the last couple of weeks, it's very odd that this whole situation almost seems like it's just kind of stopped. I have yeah. no idea what's going on. Well, I think the next thing we're going to hear is the hire, right? Like it's it's going to happen just randomly one day. I, you and I predicted, I think on the last podcast we did, the 21st, which was a month out of the trade deadline, which is March 21st, obviously. Uh, and that has not happened. But I, I do think it's imminent. It's just kind of hard to... There's just not a lot going on around it. There hasn't been any updates. Yeah. I haven't seen anyone really write about it. Um, but you're right. There haven't been any new names that have really leaked out or anything. So maybe they're in the analysis process now discussing who they should talk to. Maybe they're doing second interviews, things like that. But you have to think it's soon. They they have said on the record they want somebody in place in time for the trade deadline. And the trade deadline is getting closer and, leagues are getting and moves are getting made around the league as we speak. Nothing crazy just yet. But moves are starting to happen. Teams are starting to evaluate where they're at. And uh, you want your permanent guy in place, I would think, 
ahead of a very important trade deadline. I think this is a really big trade deadline for the Hawks because they've got some pieces that can get them some assets back, which they desperately need uh, when it comes to draft picks and prospects. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that. I think that there there are so many guys on this roster that they could potentially look to move. I know that we've discussed often the idea of keeping around guys who are potentially going to be around the next time the Blackhawks are uh, legitimate contenders. And that list on this team is fairly small, so it kind of goes without saying that we are willing for the Blackhawks to listen in on so many different guys and whether that's Brandon Hagel, Dylan Strom, I mean, Patrick Kane, I guess you even have to like kind of throw him in there as well. It's just, it's so imperative that they not only get this hire made, but that they get this hire made right, because those are some really big decisions that the person that's going to be stepping into that chair is going to have to deal with basically immediately. Like I'm starting to get the vibe that, if the Blackhawks don't hire a GM really, really soon, how can you realistically make a gigantic trade before the deadline with a person who's only been in that chair for, you know, a couple of weeks? I'm not I'm not really seeing that. I think that might be more of an off-season thing, like around the time of the draft, but I'm starting to get the sense that the Blackhawks aren't necessarily looking to go full blow it up immediately when they hire their new GM, just based on how long and how protracted out this search process has been. Just to refresh the names we have so far, Kyle Davidson, who is the current, uh, the interim GM, he's one of the candidates, Eric Tolsky from uh, Carolina, Matthew Darsh from Tampa, Scott Mellenby, who is with Montreal, but is no longer, he is a free agent at this point, Peter Chiarelli, Former Oilers GM, longtime guy, wouldn't worry no. about wouldn't worry about him. Jeff Greenberg, who is on the Cubs staff, and Toronto Raptors VP of Basketball Operations Teresa Resch. Those are some of the people who have been interviewed. Wait, did uh, you so say John far. Greenberg, like the Athletics? John Greenberg. Did I say John or I think I said Jeff? Did I say John? I could have. I thought I probably misheard you, but I I heard John Greenberg. It was like, wait, him? <laughs> well, guess what? I would hire John Greenberg over Peter Chiarelli. Duly noted, and I agree. I've seen some of his columns about media, and I'm like, well, at least he understands like something about how things work. Like his, his talent analysis is good. I don't know about his <laughs> hockey talent analysis, but I know his talent analysis is good enough. So, what did he like rank you high on like an influential? I don't know if I've I don't know if I've ever been mentioned uh, in a ranking situation from John Greenberg, but um, I generally agree with his media opinions. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Okay, fine. I'll um, give you that. Yeah, we'll take it. So, yeah, throw John Greenberg on the list, too, if you want. So, <laughs> there's your list. Nothing new outside of that list. It's just really interesting um, that we're just kind of, okay, here we are. You've had your time. Let's figure things out. And uh, I'm still I'm still on Tulski. I just like the way the Hurricanes do things. Uh, obviously, Darsh with Tampa makes a lot of sense, too. But you can't just judge a guy because he comes from a su- successful organization You've got to really see what the plan is. And look, I think all these guys, they're not walking in. Well, maybe Greenberg and maybe Resch walk in not really knowing the lay of the land at all. But the other guys who have been working around the league have an idea of the Hawks' talent and other teams' talent. And they probably have been thinking about, well, if this was my job, what would I do? And they'll probably have a a plan day one. Because I think if you're interviewing for this job, you probably want to go to the Hawks with, here's my vision. 
here's what I would do, you know, a month in, three months in, six months in, 12 months in, I'm going to lay out my plan. I did that when I interviewed for my WBBM job, right? Yeah. Here's my, here's my three, six, nine plan. And I'm sure every GM candidate had something similar and uh, that's all being, look, I don't mind that they're taking their time, but I think if it's March 1st and there's not someone hired, I'm a little bit worried. Because yep, that only gives I, you three weeks to get everything in order for the trade deadline. And they're talking about potentially having an assistant GM too. So that's someone else you'd have to hire. They got to they gotta get moving on this. I like that they're being thorough. I like that they're taking their time. But don't take too much time, if that makes sense. Like I said, I think it's indicative of the fact that if they're, they haven't hired somebody yet, it's really seeming to me like they're not going to concern themselves with making a massive splash at the deadline it feels like they're going to wait until draft night to really start exploring the market around some of these other guys and yeah it's just it's very interesting how long this process has taken and the fact that it only kind of started to accelerate in recent weeks I mean this GM opening has been there for quite a while and you would have thought they would eventually want to get somebody in that role and get them settled in before this kind of first uh, hurdle presents itself on the track. If we're looking at guys who are out of contract after this year, obviously Marc-Andre Fleury, right? Uh, Kevin Lankinen's an unrestricted free agent. Eric Gustafson, unrestricted. Calvin DeHaan, unrestricted after this year. Sam Lafferty, Ryan Carpenter. None of those guys I'm uncomfortable with Kyle Davidson looking for a trade for. You know, I think... You know, the flurry thing could is probably going to get you your biggest return. Yeah. You know, but I think that he's fully capable of, if it was to happen today, of getting that that move to the to the finish line competently. He seems to have a pretty decent understanding of what works and what doesn't in the NHL. Uh, his first trade, Neilander for Lafferty, has worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if Lafferty's going to be a world beater, but he's definitely been more impactful than Neilander has. Certainly. Um, so you know, I. I think that he can probably get this team where they need to be, but just it, it's they got to get somebody here. It, it's did it's, I see correctly? Lankinen's they're planning on starting Lankinen on Sunday. Yeah, th- flurry Friday and Lankinen Sunday is the plan for now. Of course, that can always change, but um, I'm just gonna throw out there that the Blackhawks, I think, between now and next Saturday, only have three games. So if you're gonna trade Flurry, this might be a good time to do it because you don't have a ton of games to really deal with they play friday against new jersey they play sunday against st louis and then they don't play again until thursday against edmonton so in the next eight or nine days they only have two games yeah that's a good point i there's also part of me that says wait until the deadline when teams sort of panic and maybe overpay a little bit but they then, don't think there would be a team willing to pay a little bit more to jump the market. I well, yeah, maybe. And I, that, that, and this goes back to why it's so important to get a friggin' GM in here, because you need someone to to analyze that right and figure things out to evaluate the market ahead and say, okay, realistically, what goalies are going to be available? Carter Hutton was traded uh, yesterday. Now, obviously, that's not a name like Mark Andre Fleury, but goalies are starting to move. Uh, Tyler Toffoli moved last week. Nick Ritchie got traded for Ryan Zingle, the guy the Hawks couldn't live without. Remember that whole thing? Um, there's there's that. there's trades happening uh, all over the league. Um, but, yeah, I, I think your point of maybe a team is going to be really aggressive to beat another team to the flurry punch. Or, you know, you got to wait and see if, if you can maximize value at the deadline. 
like I said, that's why you need a, a GM in here sooner than later. And if it's again, March 1st to me is the panic day, <laughs> right? Yeah. If there's not someone in place by then, it's time to worry a little bit. Completely agree. And I think that they're going to have a lot of really important decisions to make really quickly. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see how much uh, wiggle room and leverage they're going to be given uh, from the jump because there are a lot of potential moves that they could make and a lot of pieces that could potentially net some uh, pretty solid assets. So they got their work cut out for them, that's for sure. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. It's the best damn Nashville hot chicken you've ever had. I went there the other day. It was absolutely fantastic. It was packed in the Tinley Park location. So that was cool. I went there at night and they were out of tenders. So we had to get a sandwich instead. That means they're selling a ton of chicken, which is great. So go visit them. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, Tinley Park, and coming soon to Darien. Go to frythecoop.com for more information to check out their menu and all that great stuff. Going to take a quick time out. We come back. Some injury news to update for you. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, brought to you by our buddy Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases, as an assistant Cook County State's Attorney, he opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, and buses, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence and birth injuries, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. Listen, if you've heard Kent on our podcast, you can tell he's a no-nonsense guy. He's going to get results for you his firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. They charge no fees unless they win for you. So call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107 or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. That's S-I-N-S-O-N LawGroup.com. Don't go off sides, go top shelf, call Kent Sinson now. All right, on the injury front, Jujar Kara underwent back surgery this week, he will be out for 12 weeks. That is, unless the Hawks, by some miracle, make the playoffs, Jujar Kara is out for the season. Let's start there. Um, only three points for him this year, which didn't it feel like he had a more of an impact than that? Certainly felt like he played often enough to have you know more of an impact than that. I thought that he uh, showcased some pretty solid talent in the uh, time that he uh, gave to the Blackhawks. It's a little bit of a bummer to see it kind of – you know, come to a halt like this. But yeah, it was, that was really surprising when I like looked back at his uh, game log and his stats and saw that he only had the three points. That was his usage. I thought was way more conducive to a higher point total than that. Yeah. And I kind of liked his game. It obviously not a flashy offensive player, but plays a solid game, a physical game kind of has uh, the ability to play center and wing, which is something you can never have too many guys like that. I've liked his game and I feel bad. Like, you know, he suffered that awful injury with a concussion, then injures his back. And it's just been a tough year for him. He's got a year left at 975K. Hopefully he's ready to go in time for next season and uh, try to put this really ugly year behind him. It's it's tough. I, I liked what he brought. I think he's, you know, the personality seems like a good fit for the team. And it's just been uh, ever since that, that headshot, it just hasn't been the same. Uh, for Jujar Kara and uh, hope, hoping for a speedy recovery from him. Tyler Johnson, who I often have to remind myself is a Blackhawk 
because it's been <laughs> such a short amount of time. He's back practicing with the team. Might return this weekend, but like James mentioned earlier, with sort of the, um, you know, the not so intense schedule right now, they might take their time in bringing him back. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. Uh, Riley Stillman out there skating as well. Kevin Lankin will return this weekend. He's scheduled to start on Sunday. Um, so there's your injury update. The other guy we want to talk about, and speaking of big franchise-altering decisions, Lucas Reichel has played four games now as a Blackhawk. If he hits seven, that first year is burned, yeah. right? So they need to make a decision within the next three games whether or not Lucas Reichel is going to be part of the team for the rest of the season here. And he was working on the power play units today. He's obviously in the plans for the games this weekend. James, if you are interim GM, (laughs) or if by some awesome uh, coincidence you become the next GM, what is your plan for Lucas Reichel? What are you going to do with him? I I think that um, you you probably end up having to not burn that ELC. I think that it's going to be really valuable to have that extra year of team control if you're looking at potentially competing within the next three to four years. I think that keeping him under the cheaper deal and kind of letting him, you know, have a full NHL season to kind of get up to speed probably makes a lot more sense than just, you know, having him play however many games are left in this season for the Blackhawks. I think that this is pretty clearly a lost season. I think the one thing that's really interesting, though, is that the Blackhawks have had all this time off, and you would have thought that at some point they would have sent him perhaps back to, you know, Rockford. I'm not familiar with the ISOG schedule, but usually when they have kind of these longer-term uh, days off scenarios, they'll send guys down to Rockford, whether it's to get more playing time down there, more practice time, uh, to save some cap space even like there's all sorts of different reasons that they could do that but instead they've had him up here kind of practicing with the team and it at least invites a little bit of a question into whether or not they're kind of trying to work him into specific roles on the current roster and to keep him around longer term this season like I'm not obviously we're not familiar or into we don't have intimate knowledge of the Blackhawks uh, plans for Lucas Reichel but just the fact they've kept him around and have kept him active in practices and have been working him out on the power play, it's kind of indicative to me they may at least be toying with the idea of keeping him around, and I would find that very interesting if they decided to do that. Yeah, I think that's a poor choice. And I look, if he had been kind of just dominating his way and, and really being an impactful player and putting up points and making their decision difficult, I could see saying like, look, this kid has come up. He's produced. How do we look him in the eye and say, no, you need to go back to Rockford, but he's played four games. He's got eight shots on goal. Uh, He has not been a huge factor uh, in any zone of the ice. So I think with this season lost with him, not really showing that he's like NHL ready right now, completely just send him back down, let him dominate and then let him and then plan for him to be part of things. Day one next year. He knows he hits the ground running in 2022-23. There's just no shot of them making the playoffs. They've played some really solid games lately, and they come out like 4-1 losers. <laughs> you know, yep. I was going to say, L, L, L. Yeah, <laughs> like the game against the Panthers, they played really, really well, and they lost by a lot. You know, well, it's- Let me put this into context for you. The Blackhawks right now are 15 points out of a wild card spot 
with 30 games left to go in the season. The Nashville Predators have the top wild card spot right now. They are three points behind the wild for third place in the central. They're thinking about trading Philip Forsberg. Like, yeah. get if the Predators are thinking about punting on this, why on earth wouldn't the Blackhawks be thinking about punting on this? Yeah, there's there's no reason to waste a year of Lucas Reichel f- for what? Again, if he, you know, if he had, you know, four points in his four games or three points and just was electric on the ice there and just showing like, wow, this kid's really, he's going to be a star. And I still think he's going to be a star, just not yet, right? He needs some more development. He needs to grow physically. I, I saw Brandon Hagel mentioned that this week like man he's just kind of a wiry small guy out there when he adds 10 pounds he's going to be unstoppable uh he just you know he's 19 he's just not ready and I think we're so used to Stan Bowman forcing every prospect up here before their time be it Henry Okaharu be it uh Kirby Doc be it whoever else um we're not used to waiting on a prospect which is what most teams do and I think it's wise to let Reichel develop physically and mentally, truthfully, before you bring him up here for his NHL career to begin fully. So I think it's it's a it is a prudent move to leave him down in the minors for once he you know, let him play six, you know, and then send him down. I'm not I'm not burning a year for this season. This season's lost, man. There's no point. And there are definitely other forwards that are down in the minors that they could bring up and, you know, fill in the gaps, assuming that they're going to start making some trades. You have Josiah Slavin in the minors. You have Brett Connolly down there, of course. You've got, I mean, Mike Hardman. You've got Evan Barrett. I mean, your guy. bring up some of those guys. Yeah, there, there are so many just borderline NHL players that you've got. The fourth line farm is fertile. Just there's- see what you got. Yeah. <laughs> there's no drought on the fourth line farm. I mean, no. it, it has been nice and, and damp, lots of rain, some it sunshine. Well, well cared for, I will say. It yeah. is not, it is, it's been a very nice winter on the fourth line farm. They have not gotten the amount of snow we've gotten. No, they certainly have not. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, and look, it, I think Kyle Davidson is smart enough to know I'm not going to set fire to the ship here before I leave if he does indeed leave. I think Kyle Davidson, by the way, one way or another, has a job in the organization. I think it'd be really hilarious if he like got told he wasn't getting the job and then just was like, you know, I'm trading this guy for nothing. I have traded you guys. I'm out of here. Patrick Kane for Alex Nylander. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> or how about Michael Nylander? Bye. <laughs> uh, right now, you got one game to win. Do you take current day Michael Nylander or current day Alex Nylander? <laughs> You've got one shift. You're down a goal. Do you want... Do you want uh, William and, my, and Alex's dad, or do you want Alex? Is Jan Stastny still available? Would I be able <laughs> to get him? Michael Nylander is only 49. You want to know something, too. I I might take, you know, present-day Timu Solani over any of those guys. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, guys who – old guys who look like they can still play. Speaking of which, you see Sean Avery is going to be attempting an NHL comeback? I did see that. He's – been retired 10 years but apparently he's going to attempt to come back he's only 41 to kind of put that into some context there's no way in hell he's coming back to the nhl he was never even that good of a player in his prime like he was a pain in the ass he was a pest career high was 39 points with la in 2005 2006 i'm vigorously waving my stick in front of you like you're a (laughs) goaltender 
<laughs> that goalie was Martin Brodeur, who retired a long ass time ago. <laughs> yeah, I think the Sean Avery thing, but he's on the Orlando Solar Bears, which I always appreciate their absurd uh, uniform color combo. They're always a lot of fun to watch, but who knows? Maybe uh, when Kyle Davidson gets ready to burn the Blackhawks bridge, he trades Patrick Kane to the Solar Bears for Sean Avery. I was trying to think, wasn't there another kind of like relatively famous former NHLer who played for the Solar Bears? I, I thought it was Scott Darling. It was not. He played for the Florida Everblades and yes. he played for the Louisiana Ice Gators, but not the Solar Bears. Oh, boy. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to go through like uh, notable Orlando Solar Bears. I'm not finding that uh, on the old Internet there. <laughs> Yeah, they have a list of alumni, but it is quite extensive. I don't think that we need oh, – apparently Darcy Kemper played for the Orlando Solar Bears at go. one point. Mason Marchmond, who uh, Blackhawk fans got to know pretty well, uh, he played for them as well. There you go. Um, I have a question for you, by the way. Listening. Corey Perry scored his 400th NHL goal tonight. Oh, my God. What team is Corey Perry season, on? I'm pretty sure. He's on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Good for you. I, my yeah. brain completely deleted that knowledge. <laughs> he's basically, I think he's like a league minimum player and he's got 14 friggin' goals. Who would have thought that's going to happen? Hey man, you put, you put me on the lightning. I think two or three are going to go off me. That's you know, fair. <laughs> I, think I, I actually, it was really funny that you mentioned that because I was looking up the top 10 in the NHL and goals scored this season. Mm-hmm. Most of the guys you kind of are probably going to know, like your dry sidles, your Matthews, uh, Debrinkit's on that list. Connor McDavid, Miko Rantanen. I would never in a million years, I don't know if this is me being stupid or what, Chris Kreider has 33 goals for the Rangers this season. His numbers are ridiculous this I would year. not have thought of him. I don't think I would have gotten Kyle Connor either. He has 20, 29 goals for the Jets. Yeah, that I think Kyle Connor might be one of the most underrated players in hockey. Kri- it has to be. Kreider is up there. Think. Yeah. Kreider's up there, but he plays in the Rangers, so it's like almost impossible for him to be underrated. Right. Um. But Connor, yeah. Kyle Connor is awesome, um, but yeah, Kreider Kreider is a guy who I don't know. Maybe he just he he has played so long before he really turned a corner in his career. Yeah, that you know before he really became like this kind of a player. Um, his previous career high in goals, by the way, was twenty eight, and that was most recently in twenty nineteen. He has thirty three goals in fifty games this season. Yeah, I mean, look, he's been a good player for a long time. But not the kind of not the kind of player he is this year, at least goal wise. I mean, he's a thirty three goals, fourteen assists, and this year he's got forty seven points in fifty games. His career high is fifty three points, so he's definitely going to hit that. So yeah, I mean, look, like we talk about all the time, development takes time. Chris Kreider is thirty, seven his career year at thirty, so good for him, man. By the way, another record. Uh, broken by Patrick Kane the other night, passing Dennis Savard for second all-time in assists in Blackhawks history. He is still 200-some behind Stan Makita, so that probably won't happen. Another record is about to fall in the NHL. The next games that Dano Chara plays will be, he will be number one all-time in games played for NHL defensemen. Wow, that is that? insane. I, I honestly... For some reason, I keep forgetting what team Chara's on. Yeah. I was like, wait, did he go back to the island? Like, I keep – there's so many guys who are in, like, these weird spots in the NHL. Like, I 
I don't remember what team Jeff Carter's on. <laughs> Do, what, is he on the Penguins still? Yes. 37-year-old Jeff Carter is on the Penguins. 44-year-old Zdeno Chara on the New York Islanders and garnering interest at the deadline. That's insane, dude. Can you imagine a team trading for him going, this is the piece that will bring us a Stanley Cup? Hey, if you are a team that is a defenseman away, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Chara. Suppose so. I mean, you're bringing in a leader. You're bringing in a huge player who's still effective. Not the guy he used to be, obviously, but I'd take a flyer on Zidane Chara if I'm a contender. Cheap deal? Why not? Yeah, why not, right? Like, I mean, that's a dude who... That's instant credibility. He's making Definitely only s- leadership, too, if that's something that your team's looking for. Only $750,000 he's making. Jay could afford that with his Odyssey money. Oh, cri- yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> I don't know if the, I don't know if my I don't know if the employees on my floor make that much money combined. <laughs> Did you hear that Odyssey? Your guys complaining here. I'm not complaining. I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm very happy. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, big breaking news happening in the world of non-sports. So James got to get his ass back to work. So thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. I think next podcast will be March 1st. And uh, we're looking forward to that one. It's going to be a big one. So stay tuned. We will talk to you very, very soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sins in Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.